0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. you are about to hear a message from our current study, What's in a Name? What's in a Name dives into the history and significance of the names of God found in the Old Testament. During this series, we'll drill down into eight of the Hebrew names for God and learn what they reveal about who God is for us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy! Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you. I appreciate Pat's prayer. I have my annual sinus infection. I have COVID tested three times. It's all negative, but my prayer is that I can get through this message without a tickle in my throat that causes me to cough. So uh, that would, if you would pray for me in that way, I appreciate it. So we are kicking off what we call the All Church Study. It's something that we do every fall because we believe your spiritual growth is important. And as we prayed about this, we have uh, focused on something very special, I think. And the name of this series is called What's in a Name? And it's a study that looks at some of the ancient Hebrew names of God and what they tell us about God for our lives. Now, this series, we've written it and we published this book that you've seen that you can pick up. It's an eight-week series, and I do want to encourage you to, to purchase the book and the cafe afterwards because we believe it's important that for our spiritual growth that we do study things on our own and also in life groups, and I'll just say a little bit more about life groups in a moment. But in this book... Uh, Not only will you find some beautiful pictures about the places where these ancient Hebrew names of God uh, may have been given, but you'll also have some daily scripture reading that we encourage you to read and ask God what he wants to tell you through those scriptures. And then either for yourself, your own personal study, or study in a life group with others uh, so you can go deeper in that. Now you may ask, why are we doing this? We do this because we take your spiritual growth and our spiritual growth very seriously. We want to do whatever we can to help you know God more and to grow deeper in your faith and your relationship with God. So I just wanna encourage you to take advantage of this study, uh, to really go deeper and take advantage to actually invest in your own relationship with God. Now, as I mentioned I do wanna encourage you to get involved in a life group. You can go to our website. You can find out more about life groups there. We do have a virtual life group as well as several in-person life groups. If for some reason you can't find one that fits your schedule or you have some problem in any way, let us know. Just send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc and we will help you with that. So also if you have questions about a life group, very simply, life groups are gathering of adults that get together to study God's word, to build community, relationships with each other, and to care for one another. And at the book table out in the cafe after the service, there will be a life group leader who can answer some questions for you if you have them. So now let's jump in to today's message. Ezekiel was a prophet, and Ezekiel was one of the Jews who was captured and taken into exile by the nation of Babylon. Uh, Babylonia, and this was around 600 BC, and it was while, that, while Ezekiel was living in exile that God called him to be a prophet, and we have his prophecies, uh, God's prophecies that he gave Ezekiel in the Old Testament book that bears his name, Ezekiel. Now, for the first seven years of his ministry, Ezekiel faithfully relayed to his fellow Jews These messages from God, they were stern, they were heart-rending, and they were hope-crushing because God was judging them for their sins, and the prophecy that he gave them was that the city of Jerusalem would fall. In fact, Israel, even though they were God's covenant people and even though Jerusalem was the city of God's temple, that would not bring an early release from exile for these people, and it would not prevent the city of Jerusalem from being destroyed. So when Jerusalem was under siege, God directed Ezekiel to pronounce a series of judgments both on Israel and many other nations who were enemies of Israel. But after Jerusalem fell, and the city and the temple were destroyed, The message that Ezekiel was given by God turned to words of consoling hope for his people. And they were words that said this, that you will experience a revival, that you will be restored, that there's a glorious future for you, and there will be a redeemed and perfected kingdom of God in this world. Now, as you read through the book of Ezekiel, you get to the very last chapter, and the very last verse of that chapter tells us about how the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, will be restored and rebuilt. And the last verse of that prophecy states this. And the name of that city from that time on will be the Lord is there. In Hebrew, it's Jehovah Shammah. Now, the name for God, Jehovah Shammah, is very important because it tells us a truth about God. It tells us that he is the God who is with his people both then and today. To acknowledge that God is Jehovah Shammah means that we are acknowledging that God is here with us in this time and this place and in our lives in our time and our place And really when you think about that, that has profound meaning and significance for each and every one of us. So because God is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is here with us. I I wanna give you a a, a couple of, of imperative challenges. And the first one is this, be courageous. When I was in college, one summer, I worked at a camp in the mountains of North Carolina, and every week, a group of students would come in to learn about God and to grow in their faith, and every evening, those of us on staff would conclude the day by taking all the students up to one of the outdoor worship locations, and one of the favorite places was on top of the mountain. When you're on the top of that mountain, you could look down in the valley, you could see life happening down there, and you could scan the horizon for miles. There were a couple of ways to get to the top of the mountain. One of those ways was a treeless road that ran through a field, and another was a path that ran through a grove of trees that grew so thick both around and over that path that during the day it felt like you were walking through a green tunnel. And at night, (laughs) at night it was so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And even with a flashlight, I'm just going to be honest, it was spooky to walk down that trail at night. In fact, uh, it was so, uh, so dark and so scary that um, many of us, candidly, would just be afraid to walk that trail at night. But eventually over the summer, you know, we, we sort of got a little bit brave, and we began to call this trail the Death Walk," because it was just that scary. And at some point, we decided that we would have a challenge, and the challenge would be to our staff, not to the kids, but to the staff, could we we go down the death walk trail at night without a flashlight? So on dark nights, we would dare each other to do the death walk, and I remember doing the death walk several times, and at least one time by myself without a flashlight, and to be honest, as I walked that trail by myself, it was so dark. And it was so spooky. I, you know, I, I, not only couldn't I see my, my hand in front of my face, I, I couldn't really even see the trail. And so you're, you're sort of feeling along with your feet a, as you're going. And I got to confess to you, at times I just held my breath because I didn't know what was going to happen. And, uh, um, but there were some times when a couple of us would walk down the death trail together. And we would hold hands and we, we would be side by side and we would be bumping into each other because we were, we were that close. But you know, when you're with somebody, the fear factor just got dialed down a whole lot. And it, it became much easier. Now, it wasn't, you know, something that was not scary, but it just became a little easier to go with somebody else. The truth about God is that God is not limited by space or time, so he is omnipresent, but that means he's everywhere, and he is here with us wherever we are and wherever we go, and no matter what we do, we don't need to be afraid because he's with us. A long time before the prophet Ezekiel, Moses spoke to the people about his succession plan for the leadership of Israel, that he was going to turn it over to a man named Joshua. And as he told them this plan, he said, I want you to be prepared to cross over to the promised land that God will give you as he delivers you from your enemies. And then this is what Moses said. It's a little repetitive, but listen to it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now it's important for us to realize what Moses is not saying. He's not saying that crossing over to the promised land will be easy. He's not saying that it won't be challenging, but he, he, he's saying, don't be afraid because God knows it will be scary and God will be with you, so don't be discouraged because God knows the challenges and he knows it's difficult. But most of all, God wanted the Israelites to remember that he, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, would be there with them. that he would be Jehovah Shama. You know, that's the same message that we see in the 23rd Psalm. And it's the same message in the 23rd Psalm that, that gives so many of us comfort, and it's why if we know any psalm, it's Psalm 23. David wrote this, and when he wrote it, He was speaking about his own personal experience of God. And and this is what he wrote in verse four Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There's another translation of this verse which I think helps us grasp the concept of the shadow uh, of the valley of the shadow of death. The New Living Translation says it this way Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. You know, the reality is this. You and I will all travel through some dark valleys and and most of those valleys will not be very dark and very spooky trails in the woods. But those dark valleys will be some of the most hard and difficult experiences and seasons that we will have to live through. Those dark valleys can include the death of a loved one, the loss of a friendship, a letdown at work or at school, or a myriad of other things that push us into a difficult season where everything is just uncertain and and even scary. But God's message would be to us be courageous. Our God is Jehovah Shammah. He's the one who is there with us so we can have courage. And that was the amazing message that was given to Joseph by the angel who told him that the baby that Mary carried was from God. The angel told him, Mary hasn't been unfaithful. Mary has been faithful to God and to you. And Matthew records in his gospel that this child, Jesus, would be the fulfillment of the prophecy that Isaiah was given by God, that a virgin would bear a son and he would be known as Emmanuel. Look, we can't overlook the significance of Jesus being called Emmanuel because the name Emmanuel means God with us. So, The prophet Ezekiel told us that one of the names of God is Jehovah Shammah, and then God made it crystal clear when he sent Jesus to be here with us as Emmanuel that he continues to be with us through God, the Son. And then God the Father and God the Son sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. Knowing this means that we can be courageous because God is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here with us. So we need to be courageous. And because of this truth, we can know this, we are never alone. For several years, sociologists have been talking about this epidemic of loneliness that people are experiencing. And in fact, national governments have been tapping their leaders to study and address the issue of loneliness and its consequences. In fact, just last year, 2021, Japan appointed a minister of loneliness, to try and to reduce loneliness and isolation in social settings among its residents. And here's the sad reality of why. The country of Japan deals constantly with a rising suicide rate. During the month of October 2021, more people died in Japan of suicide than died in all of 2020 from COVID-19. Loneliness can be very hard to live with because God created us to be in community with others. And when we're not in relationship with others, it takes a toll on us. Whether we're an introvert or an extrovert, we need to have some community. Now, uh, in my ministry over over the years, I have served in many uh, nursing homes. And while I know how important the care and help is in nursing homes and how much they provide. In fact, both of my parents spent their last years in nursing homes. Uh, I have to be honest, uh, until this story that I'm going to share with you, I always felt like nursing homes were were sad and, and lonely places. But that was until I gained some insight from a resident of a nursing home. On that day, I'd been asked to preach at a chapel at a nursing home by my friend who was the chaplain there, and when the staff gathered the residents in the chapel, I walked around and shook hands and greeted everybody, and and these elderly residents came and gathered, each experiencing their own challenges in aging. Some of those challenges were mobility, some of them were hearing, some of them I couldn't quite see, some of them were dementia-related. But my friend told me that the chapel service was the weekly highlight for these residents because they loved to hear the message and they loved to sing the hymns. And she said, I would be amazed when this elderly congregation sang because regardless of their current mental acuity, these songs were memories buried deep in their brains that couldn't be affected by any type of dementia or Alzheimer's, they would just come back. She was right. When she sat down at the piano and played a favorite hymn, almost everybody sang, and they sang from their heart. They they sang from the memories that they had of singing these songs, and you know what? It didn't matter if it wasn't on key. I certainly wasn't. It didn't matter if they didn't get the words exactly right. It was beautiful. After I preached, my friend asked if anyone had a favorite hymn to close the service with, and a gray-haired lady in a wheelchair immediately piped up, and she said the name of a hymn. Now, I know a lot of hymns, and this was not one I was familiar with. My friend started playing the hymn, and that gray-haired lady in the wheelchair started singing along with the others, and I followed along, and I sang the words, and I discovered I discovered why it was her favorite song because the chorus of the song goes like this. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I was never the same after I heard that hymn and and saw what it meant. God used that experience to remind me that We're never alone. God is always with us, we just need to acknowledge him. Now, while I'm certain that none of us aspires to live in a nursing home, I realized they're really not lonely places because God is there with us if we have to reside in one. He's there whether we live in a nursing home or live in a brand new home. It it doesn't matter, God is there with us. In the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples that he will be leaving them and, and they're upset And they're confused, but Jesus gives them a promise that was true for them then, and it's true for every follower of Jesus since then. Those who have believed in Jesus and decided to follow him, this is true for them. He wanted them to make sure that they would know that as followers, he would never leave them alone. And this is what he said to them. After he told them that he would leave, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. God has promised that we will never be alone because he is with us. He sent the Holy Spirit to us and when we profess faith in Jesus and we said, okay, I believe in Jesus and I'm gonna follow him, when we have that conversion experience, the Holy Spirit, whether you knew this or not, came to dwell inside of you, to lead you, to guide you, to comfort you, to be Jehovah Shama, the Lord who is here with you. And because of this, we need to know as followers of Jesus Christ that with God, we can do whatever comes our way. So my challenge is that we understand that we can do this. Think about it this way, have you ever had a situation that was just felt so huge and so overwhelming that you didn't know if you could handle it? Maybe it's a hard conversation that you have to have or a project that feels way over your head or decision between two hard things or an illness that wears you out or a sense that you're supposed to do something that you'd just rather not do or, or I don't know, you fill in the blank. You know what it's been like. In the face of that situation, you can say, I'm just not sure I can do this. And honestly, I can identify with all of those situations and more. After the resurrection, but before Jesus went back up to heaven, he told his disciples what he wanted them to do once he left them. He said, go to everybody you know, go all over the world, and tell people about me so that they will be my followers and teach them everything I've taught you. Now, I suspect the disciples were thinking as Jesus said that. Now, Jesus, we could do that if you were here with us. But if you're not here with us, we're not sure we can do that. As if reading their thoughts, the next thing Jesus said was this. Be sure of this. I am with you always to the, even to the end of the age. I like the way Pastor Eugene Peterson in his message translation puts verse 20. He says this. Jesus said, I will be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age. Jesus, God the Son, will be with us as we follow him day after day after day through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus keeps that promise he will be with you in that hard conversation that you have to have. He will be with you in that project that feels over your head. He will be with you in that decision between two hard things. He will be with you in that illness that wears you out. He's there with you when you're supposed to do something that you'd rather not do. He's there with you in whatever situation you face because he is Jehovah Shama, the Lord who is here with us so he can help you in whatever you're facing. God is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here with us. And in my own life, I've had some dark days when I was scared, days where I felt alone, days that when I didn't think I could carry on, days when on more one occasion or more, the words of that hymn that I mentioned earlier came to me. I sang them as a prayer to God. I sang them as a prayer this morning as I was preparing to come here and preach and didn't know I could get through this message. So praise God, I'm almost through and and I haven't uh, had a coughing attack. But let me just remind you of those words. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. In those times, I realized that God was with me. I didn't have to be afraid. He gave me courage. I realized when I was lonely that God was with me. I realized that when I wasn't sure I could carry on and do what God was calling me to do, that he was there with me and he would help me carry on even if he had to carry me. That's because he is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here with us. And I believed that he would do that. So I recognize as I tell you this that when it comes to these ancient Hebrew names of God, you may wonder about them because it sounds amazing. And you're not sure about this God that he's really there for you. Now, for those of us who believe in God and who follow him, we believe that God knows that you struggle with the fact that You're not sure God is really all this or if he's even real. So let me tell you what kind of God we have. And I say that for all of us, regardless if you've come to believe or not come to believe. Jesus once told a story about a father who loved his family. He provided for them everything they ever needed. But the father had one child who just didn't want to stay home. So he asked for his inheritance. He asked and took everything that he had, and he went away. Eventually, he uh, ran out of money, ran out of food, ran out of everything that he needed in life. And at his lowest moment, he realized that even the servants, the employees back at his father's home, had a warm bed to sleep in and a hot meal to eat and a roof over their heads. He thought to himself, I'm just, I'm just going to go home and get hired on by my father. And so he does. And I imagine it was a long, long driveway into that house. And he started headed down that driveway once he got back home and As he was walking down that highway, probably with his head down and and a little uh, embarrassed, his father saw him a long way off and he ran to his son and he hugged him and he squeezed him tight and he told him he loved him and he told him, I'm glad you're home. Welcome back. And he threw a party for him. You see, the father was waiting. The father was waiting and looking for that child to come home because he loved him and he wanted to welcome him home. Jesus told that story because we have a heavenly father who wants us all to come back home to him and to believe in him and to follow him. But we have a God who is not pushy. He will wait for us. For those of us who have come home to God, the Bible says on the day that we came home to God, the day that we believed and started following him, that the angels in heaven rejoiced. They threw a party. I can imagine there was a banner and it had your name on it. For those of you who haven't decided to come home and believe in God, you know, that that's okay. But you need to know that God is still waiting and he's scanning the horizon, so to speak waiting for you to come home and say, okay, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. If you've decided that that's you, then today can be that day. Because the reality is this. God is Jehovah Shammah. He's the Lord who is here with us, and he desires for us to be with him. And he has kept that promise over the millennia all the way up today, and that promise is still good today and into the future. So I want to close with a prayer, and in that prayer, I'm going to give anybody who's never told God that they want to come back home and be his follower to do that, and then I'm just going to pray for all of us that we would recognize that God is Jehovah Shammah, that he is here with us wherever we are with whatever we're going through. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. God, we thank you that you are Jehovah Shammah. God, we thank you that you love us and that you are present with us wherever we are. And right now, I, I pray for that individual who may have not put their faith or trust in you. And if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer right now, wherever you are. Just pray it silently back to God and I'll give you the words to pray, but you can put them in your own words. There's nothing special about my words, but what's special is about the intention of your heart. So here you go. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I want to come home. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died to pay for my sins and that he rose again. And today I believe and I want to follow him. say amen there. Let me just finish the rest of this prayer. God, we do thank you that you hear our prayers, that you wait for us, that you are present with us. Lord, give us the courage and the boldness to continually look for you and your presence and honor you and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.